Let's quickly pray. Let's stay standing and let's pray. Jesus, thank You that we can come to Your presence. You say as we draw close to You, You draw close to us and we've entered into Your presence with thanks and praise. God, I pray even as You now come close to us, will You touch our life? Will You transform it? Will You soften our hearts right now? And, and will You cause scales to fall off our eyes if we're not seeing You for who You truly are right now, God? Um, if they, yo, We want our hearts to be soft so You can plant Your Word in it. And, and we pray that Your Word would go deep and, and bring about a harvest, God. We submit to You. We want to do Your will. We resist the devil. We thank You that he has to flee. Pray age protection around us and our children. We pray in this hedge protection that You'd minister to us and bring freedom into our life. And I pray for anyone who's without hope. I pray that You would knock on the door of their heart right now and draw them unto Yourself. In Jesus' name. Everyone believed it, said? Amen. Awesome. You guys take your seats. It's so good to be in the house. Who stayed up? Who struggled to fall asleep last night because of adrenaline? That's awesome. Hey, to, to see the box win and to see our country celebrate. Always love, um, I just love what's happened in the World Cup. Um, just seeing all the celebrations. I think that's what I've enjoyed more. Um, just seeing celebration happen across the country and, and just the unity. And, you know, I always think South Africa as a rainbow nation, uh, we can see now what we're going to see in heaven because every tribe, every tongue is going to be in heaven, worshiping God and, and, and in unity. And what we need to trust for is, is that I believe we can believe for a touch of heaven in our country because we look like heaven. And so um, even those moments, you just see people celebrating together and, and you're just going, God, will you use this just to keep building the nation bit by bit, building unity and, and yeah, I just think we are super blessed. And of course, we live in the southern tip of Africa where it's really safe. Um, safer than Europe, America, um, Australia, all those places. Because Australia are friends with America. Anyway, so um, clearly, guys, if you want to live in the southern tip of South America or South Africa, I believe it, um, where everyone else um, thinks we, you know, you guys live down there, everyone's going to try to move you. Um, even real estate studies show that people are buying second homes in Cape Town in case of trouble overseas. Anyway, I know I'm getting distracted now because some people want to talk us down and they don't realize they are living in a blessed land. Okay, they, you know what I mean? Or they're missing out in the blessed land. We are blessed. I actually do believe that. I believe that we'll be one of the safest places in the world in the end times. Um, I know you guys think I'm nuts, but I've always felt that since I was 18. 45, now 18, I had the sense that we would be a nation truly blessed in the future. So um, before you think um, everything's green on the other side, um, please pray. Trust God, okay? Because God is going to bless this nation. Okay, so we have got a God can culture. Of course, we believe that God can save your friends. God can heal you. Uh, we believe that God can provide for you, uh, that God can bless you. Um, and, and we want you to understand that as you come close to God, as you pray for your friends and family, as you even invite them, that God actually can save them. And we are, of course, in our Christmas season. Uh, there are two times in the year people are more open to coming to church, Easter and Christmas. They CEO Christians, that's a joke, but we, of course, believe that that's a 
a starting point for people to actually get planted in the church. So we want you to use your Christmas and Easter opportunities, and we want you to buy your friends or family members Christmas experience tickets. Um, and, and this is get selling for 10 Rand children under 12. Um, they come for free. And all the, the finances, all the money that people give to get a ticket goes to our feeding projects. This, of course, in Danoon, um, in Volverifi, and then, of course, James House that we're connected to in Hout Bay. So please get your tickets. Uh, we got four opportunities at Tailview. And if you've never been to a Christmas experience, you'll be blown away um, at the experience. And it's the perfect opportunity to invite your friends and family. And, of course, we also want you to pray. Take these God can uh, um, sort of tickets home and I commit to praying for and you can write down that prayer request. Of course, even as you pray, you pray that God, if they're not seeing God for who he is, uh, the scales would fall off their eyes and their hearts would be soft and pray for an opportunity to give them an invitation. Also pray that as they receive that invitation, that they uh, would be open to coming to the Christmas experience. So you guys going to do that? Use your little reminder and you can trust God uh, and, and yeah, really see what God can do. We're starting our brand new series, our God Can series. And we're going to be at the end of the year, uh, really lifting your eyes, we believe, to where your help comes from and keeping you in the game in the last part of the year, really believing in the last part for God to really help you finish strong. We don't want you to, to finish in a weak way because we know how you finish is how you start and how you exit is how you enter. And we want you to finish this year strong so that you can start next year strong. We want you to come to the end of this year strong so that you can start next year strong. And one of the key ways to do that is to lift your eyes and, and be encouraged that God can use, even these next few weeks, God can use your faithfulness and, and the seed that you put out there. And even if it's just an invite seed. Now, I don't know if anyone's ever got distracted by something they've lost. Anyone ever lose car keys and it's built up, the stress is built up slowly. Like you know, at the beginning, it's like, I'll find it now, now. Then, then it's like a few more minutes. Then you're blaming every family member that they placed your keys in the wrong, and who lost it. Then you find your keys for the ladies in your handbag. Anyway, so like, no one, no, the ladies not, but, but the, come on, it becomes stressful. I've been losing socks, and it's been quite crazy. My socks have just disappeared over and over. It's not my washing machine. I can't even blame that. It's actually a little dude, puppy in our house named Charlie. He feels that his purpose in life is to take socks. He's a, he's a little guy. And I found, I've actually followed him, and he now puts socks in our garden. We not only grow trees in our garden, there's a harvest of socks. I'm believing for a harvest of Adidas socks. I really like them. I bought three, and I haven't seen them. Um, but I've, um, I didn't see them for a while. I actually started to dig up. I'd go with a, um, like a spade. I found so many socks. I'm like, I've actually become great at finding socks, stressing, frustrated, and then finding. But even my Adidas socks, some of them have been in the ground for weeks, and they've come out different. I actually think I've created my own look of Adidas socks, socks that are in the soil for a long time, and they really look different. Anyway, so I even found on Saturday, I found another, yesterday I found another sock. It was my daughter's school sock. But, but, but Charlie's incredible. He actually thinks that's his purpose. And another night, Leanne and I put the, we put the girls down, and, and we were sitting watching a show, and Charlie came on the couch with a sock. 
and he put it on Leanne's shoulder, and then he moved her hair to cover the sock. And he was like, job done. And I realized this guy feels that he's got a purpose. And I've, I've messed with his head now because I'm sort of wearing secret socks. So that guy, you know, now, now he's, what's he going to do about that? Anyway, so, um, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? That guy's, it's over. Um, but we can joke about socks and keys can be more stressful. Uh, but um, I've been, I've been um, in a situation where I've seen parents trying to find their child. They might be at a shopping center or at an event. Any parent ever lost their child at an event? Okay, so you would understand the stress. And the longer it takes, the more the stress grows. It's crazy. And when I've seen it, everyone who understands wants to help that parent. Because I would hate to have that feeling of I can't find my child. It is crazy. And I've heard of people who in the stress of trying to find their child, uh, their toddler, looking in people's prams, like just opening blankets, baby, like, where's my child? And I get that because if your child does get lost and you can't find your child, how do you carry on? How do you get past losing your child? I, I, so um, this person ended up finding their child, uh, but what you hear from these people who've lost their children and trying to find them, that even if they've got more children, like let's say you've got, uh, it's Dieter, you know, it's, he's got three kids and he loses one. He goes, Ugh, you know, two out of three is fine. You know what I mean? Like, like parents just don't go there. They actually get, they actually don't worry about the two that are found. They're not worrying. I'm hungry, dad. Shut up. <laughs> like, I'm trying to find your brother. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's like, like it's, that's not urgent. Right now, what's lost is urgent. God is distracted by lost people. And when we as a church forget that, there's not enough worship in this church and I don't like this messages. I'm distracted by lost people and you found and now you're trying to complain about the church you're in when you're supposed to be obsessed with lost people as well. You're supposed to be obsessed with lost people. You're not supposed to be obsessed with yourself, with your church experience. Yes, find a church that you can flourish in. But once you find that church, become obsessed with lost people. Because that's God's plan for your life, to go on this journey. Before knowing God, God wants to have an encounter with you so that you can be found. But once you are found, you now go and seek out the lost with Him. That's the purpose of your life. So God wants us to be obsessed with loss because God can save anyone. Acts 4 verse 11 says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Galatians 1 verse 4, Jesus gave his life for our sins, just as God our Father planned in order to rescue us from this evil world in which we live. God wants to rescue us. I believe lots of people want to receive Jesus as their Savior. Um, this year, um, we've seen 3,329 new people before this Sunday come to church across our locations. That's because you guys 
are inviting people. And I'm grateful for that. You're outward looking. You're not just saying church is there for me. No, no. Once you are found in Christ, your job now is to go on the journey of seeking out the lost with Christ. We've seen 1,901 people before this weekend actually respond, make a recommitment or a first-time commitment to Jesus where they said, yes, me, pray for me. So people are hungry, and we should be very encouraged by that. We should be more excited about seeking out lost people. Um, And you might go, well, how do I do that? Because it can sound weird, and I don't want to stand on the street corner with a mic shouting at people. I actually would like to carry on living my my Christianity out and being a light. But I, I would like to do it like in a way where, I can actually interact with my neighbors, not make them feel weird. Well, I'm going to explain a simple way that you can do it, but I also want to encourage you that that you've been chosen. You're God's plan A. He's got no plan B. Um, If you live on Athens Road, God's actually planning that you start to pray for Athens Road. If God, if you're in Telview High, God would like to use you to start praying for the class you're in in Telview High. If you're in Milton High, if you're in O'Connor, whichever school, wherever you're working, God has not made a mistake with you. He's actually placed you there on purpose for a purpose. He's chosen you. You are his missionary to that place. You can wake up wherever you live and go, because um, you might say, maybe I should be a missionary. Yes, if God's calling you to go to another place, be obedient. But before you go there and have heard it, God's already calling you to be a missionary on the street you live in. You, might, you can wake up every day and anoint yourself. Thank you, God, for anointing me to be the missionary here on Crown Street or on this street. You are. Are the, thank you, God, for anointing me to be the missionary here at this workplace. You are the missionary. You've, been, you've got an assignment already. You are chosen. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instrument to do His work and speak out for Him, to tell others of the night and day difference He made for you. From nothing to something, from rejected to accept it. God's chosen you to tell the story how you actually were accepted by Christ. Of course, you weren't chosen to tell people how bad they are because it says it's the goodness of God that draws people to repentance. It's not the judgment of man that draws people to repentance. It's the goodness of God. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you'll be my witnesses. I haven't put that scripture up, but it's quite a famous scripture. It says, you'll be my witnesses. That's us. We'll be witnesses. Okay, so what does a witness do? Well, let's first look at what a witness doesn't do. It doesn't say, and you will be my judge. You'll not be the judge. If we're in a courtroom setting, let's say we're watching some American TV and and their courtroom setting, you're not called to be the judge. You're not called to be the jury. In America, they have juries where they try to make a decision of, well, is this true or not? No, you're not the jury. You're not the judge. You're not the prosecutor. And you're not the defense lawyer. You're called to be a witness. What does the witness do? Well, they come to the stand and they get asked, uh, what happened to you? Or what did you see? And you just tell them what you saw or what you know. That's all. That's the only job you have as a witness. And for us, we witness the hope we have. You might tell them 
I felt the stress. You might see somebody stressing like you stress. You might see somebody who feels hopeless. And if you have gone from hopeless to hopeful, that's what you can tell them. I actually used to be hopeless. I didn't have peace. I felt so unsure of my future. And that was me. I remember growing, going through school, always unsure, always second guessing, always worried about how the heck this will work out. And then I heard the gospel and I received Jesus. I didn't always know what was going to happen today, but I knew what was going to happen in heaven, that I'd spend eternity in heaven. And that was like a solid anchor for my soul. And yes, I felt restless, but then I got rest. I got peace in Christ. And if you're feeling like that, you can also have what I have. I didn't share scripture with you. I just told you about what happened to me. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give you a reason for the hope uh, that you have. Of course, it's, it's you and I as witnesses, we give the reason for the hope we have. Here's a, a basic um, outline. Simply, how I realized I needed Christ. That's all you can tell them. For me, I grew up in a, a, a fa- family that went to church, but it's like I never heard the gospel. The gospel most probably was mentioned to me because there were other Christians coming to school and speaking to us. But when I came to this church at 17, um, I first, I, like I heard about Jesus. I remember getting invited here when I was 16, and um, it, like I, I ended up not coming back. Then my friends came here, and I came, and I, I heard the gospel. And you know, at that moment, I was like, I actually think this is what I've been looking for. I've been looking for Jesus. Uh, I, that, that I've, got a, like, I've got a God-shaped hole, and, and actually Jesus is the only one who can fill that hole. I was made for a person, Jesus, and I was made for a place, heaven. Because I wanted to go to heaven. I wanted to spend eternity with God. And so I realized I needed Jesus. Of course, it took me 13 months to commit my life to Jesus. I came to church February of 1996. I only gave my life to Jesus March of 1997. And I actually thought that I needed to get better. Like somehow, I was like, they're going to announce like worst Christian ever and the worst Christian in the world goes to Andre. You know what I mean? Like, like he, I was going to disappoint God. I better get myself a bit sorted before I give my life to Jesus. Could never get it right. The crazy thing was I thought I had to do this. But as I came to church, I never missed a Sunday. It changed from I had to to I really want to do this. And it was crazy. Like God by His grace had changed me so much in that time. And before I believed, I already belonged. I was part of the family. It was weird. Like I came to church and I, I was in the congregation I was, and I was worshiping even. And then I remember um, going to my house and, and walking across the road and giving my life to, to Jesus in my room. But I realized I need Christ and it took a while before I committed. And, and I, I was trying to sort of get there by myself, but, but it's only Jesus who can do it. And I, I was to humble myself and say, geez, only you can save me. That's actually how I... I actually went on the journey. The difference it made, I received assurance of my salvation. It meant so much to me to know that I'd go to heaven one day. That, that if something ever happened to me right now, I would fall asleep and wake up with Jesus. It, it, it gave me everything I was looking for. And it also gave me faith to believe 
that God could lead me today. And that's actually how it happened for me. You and I are just supposed to be a witness about what happened for you. And don't downplay your story. (laughs) Don't go make it like your story has to be more extravagant. No, no. God wants to use your story. And God saves you with somebody else in mind. Your story being told is what's really going to change this world. Don't let your world miss out on your story. Don't let your world miss out on your story of hope. God wants to use it. You'll be blown away by it. The other thing God wants you to do is also share your church. Don't make church about you. Don't make your church experience about you, your time. You know, this is me time. No, no, this is what God wants us to share. He wants us to share His church. Luke 14 verse 23, go out into the country and urge anyone you find to come in so that, they, that my house will be full. God, that's, that's the Bible. God wants His house to be full. God wants us to be generous with His church. The Bible says He's coming back for His church. Church should not be about us. Church exists for those who are not here yet. God's loving tonight. Listen, the worship team I thought were incredible. The worship was amazing. And God would be blessed by our worship. But He would still be distracted by people who aren't here tonight. He'd be more distracted by that. The Bible says He leaves the 99 and He goes off to the 1. And we need to be mature enough and healthy enough to understand that and not think that this is all there is. We're supposed to go out. We're supposed to make the most of our Mondays. We're supposed to be praying for the people on our street and our work colleagues. We need to make the most of our opportunity. And yes, most people still get saved on Sundays because they know we meet on Sundays and they come into the house and they experience the presence of God. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And they were bound and they walk into this space of freedom and they hear the gospel and God knocks on the door of their heart and He draws them unto salvation. I want to encourage you to share your church. The best day um, that you'll have, they say at church, the best Sunday you'll have at church is the Sunday where you bring someone. That's the best Sunday they say. And you know what? I've experienced that. My wife is always, for the last few years, she's just brought so many people to church. And what's crazy is we speak more about seeing them get breakthrough and growth than, than for us. It's not Sunday for me, you know, worship, and I really got, no, no, we always say, did you see so-and-so worshiping? Did you hear they, did you see they had that breakthrough? You see they're serving now. I remember when they just came for the first time. Church is way more exciting when it's about other people. The cool thing about that Sunday when you bring somebody, you're going to be way more of a church builder that Sunday. Because you're going to pray, please God bless the worship. Pray Andre doesn't crack bad jokes. Please use him finally one day. Let him preach at least one good message, Jesus. Like you're going to become this prayer warrior. You're going to pray over the the coffee. Because I don't know if you guys know, people who drink our coffee fall more in love with Jesus. They, they taste the coffee and they say, thank you, Jesus, for that coffee. Yeah. But, but, but you're going to be, you know I mean? you're gonna be praying. You, even when you say, please, close your eyes out of respect, you're going to have one eye open to see if that person you brought is responding. And the crazy thing is, when if they do respond and they go on the journey, you're going to enjoy seeing them reach their destiny. And, and you'll go, you know, I always thought church was about me reaching my destiny. But then you realize, oh, for me to reach my destiny, I have to help other people reach, reach their destiny. That's the only way you reach your destiny, is you become others focused. 
And so share your church. Pray for people. Of course, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And, and if you want to really show people you care, the simple way you do it is through prayer. You just pray for them. And, and you're going to find that God's going to use you to be part of miracles. Because you, once you start to pray for people, hey, I heard that, can I pray for you? You don't have to like make it like, hey man, at work, heard that, I'll pray for you. You know, like, like it's quite, hey, I heard you're going through that thing. Hey, I'm going to pray for you. Thanks. Next day, next week, how's it going? Well, it's actually getting a bit better. Awesome. I'm going to carry on praying. And all of a sudden they go, that person really cares. Because prayer equals care. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you. So share. Care. Why do this? Because this is our calling in life. You know, before we know Jesus, Jesus wants to, have any, to, to find us in a way. He wants us to come to the realization of who he is, receive him as our savior. Once we do that, our life's will is to share Christ with our world, to share the good news. Matthew 5 verse 13 says, let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. Um, if I make you light bearers, uh, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives. By opening up to others, you'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. Of course, we are meant to do this, and our faith's supposed to be public. God doesn't want you to keep your faith private. Well, it's my spiritual life, it's just between me and God. No, God actually wants you to go public with your faith. You don't have to shove it down people's throats. You have to be weird about it. But yes, um, you can tell people tomorrow at work, what do you do? Awesome weekend, box one, thank you, Jesus. See, I had Jesus, and everyone was praying, thank you, Jesus. And then I went to church, and um, we was just we had a great time. Hey, you go to church? Yeah. Where do you go? Now, you know, it's, it's, it's amazing to go to church. I get to, to honor God. Okay. Like, like you actually have to go public with your faith. You don't have to be rude about it. But God wants you to be public with your faith. Why? Because people need the Lord. Why do they need the Lord, Andre? Well, the scripture says Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. You, you can't get to heaven without Jesus. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs to have the opportunity to hear about Jesus. See, we're not playing here. Eternity is at stake. Why share? Why share the gospel? Why share the hope we have? Why be public with our faith? Because God, uh, because people want the Lord. You say, no, 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 people want the Lord because without Jesus, you don't really have life. John 10 verse 10 says, I come so that people can have real and eternal life, more and better than they ever dreamt of. And I've seen it, people without God, they don't have peace with God 
and they're trying to find peace maybe in their career or some event or some uh, weird getaway where they do drugs and they somehow found freedom. No, no, they're actually looking for Jesus. Because I've seen people supposedly find freedom and then really destroy themselves. They're looking for Jesus, the only one who can give them life and life to the full. And why share our faith? Because we were once lost. And if we can keep that in the back of our minds, we will remember that other people also need to, to experience the generosity of Christians. When I came here, Paul Van Collar was a youth pastor, and Paul Marinette are now in, in George, and they started Zambia Project. And Paul then would come and play touch rugby at Big Bay. We'd play some touch. And um, Steve Mills, who was really um, his assistant, and, and Paul, they would be there, and they'd invite us to church. And, and Paul would be, uh, coach some sports at Telview High. And, um, and um, yeah, they would just be there, like, We'd play rugby and soccer and the guys would be in the sports field. And sometimes we need lifts and they say, hey, we'll organize lifts for you guys. And I was actually blown away by the generosity. I remember in that year at, uh, in matric, I actually said to God, like I was at my room, I said, God, if that's a Christian, then I want to be one. Because I thought like, like the generosity I'm, uh, generosity I'm experiencing is, is amazing. They say sometimes you should just write a letter. You should write a letter to the person invited you or prayed for you and when you write that letter to them you should decide to be that for someone else what they were to you let it overflow as you receive freely receive freely give that away and that's one of the best practices just write a letter to the person who was key in your salvation journey and then now you become that and it keeps us fresh to overflow it keeps us alive to carry the gospel some people might never come to your church or be in a church building but you can share hope I remember working in marketing I was um, 21 uh, well 20, 21 I worked there for like two years I used to just start to bring donuts to work and, and muffins and that put it by the coffee when I could tight budget nobody else did it so I stood out because your gener- your gift makes room for you scripture says so so then just start talking then that, what did you do this weekend we were recording a lot of worship albums then I recorded some worship really oh you need to bring it started bringing our worship um, played it for them it's so funny they're real manos they don't want to like say that's really good uh, worship like they'd rather swear and tell me it sounds good like you know but I wasn't there to get them to stop swearing I wasn't there hey bro I'm really offended that you swore while we were playing worship like I was there to be generous so I just that and then I started to um, like I knew there was better worship than ours so I started buying actual worship albums that were popular then one of the th- worship albums was Vineyard and I just let hey do you, you want to listen to more music yeah yeah gave vineyard albums to staff members I remember this one Muslim lady she actually asked for album after album I remember five months later she came to the office and everyone said she says let you know I've actually given my life to Jesus but it was just worship albums and donuts but then I also did this simple thing when I heard people were stressed because we were in sales and they were always you had to meet targets and that I'd walk somebody was stressed I said hey 
Are you stressed? Hey, I'm going to pray for you. Okay. Then I would just ask them, how's it going? The crazy thing was, I had so many guys after that, like I was office empty. You're still praying, yeah? yeah. <laughs> Can you pray for this? Like, yeah. The, the crazy thing is, it, it got to a place. So I'm like 22 and my, my boss calls me in. Um, what if somebody did this and this and this? What would God think? I, I would sometimes, no, nah, I don't think God would think that's cool. I will tell them. I'll tell my friend. <laughs> like, you know, like, like, it just opened doors. I wasn't judgmental. I was honest. Remember this one encounter. Office was empty. God turns to me. And in that office space, there were a lot of people. Were, marriage was falling apart. A lot of affairs. It was, it was really a terrible place to go to if you, um, you mean if you were trying to stay married, I thought. And so this, um, this guy turns to me. He's been there a few months. He says, listen, um, I just let you. And he had no one else to talk to. So he turns to me. He's an older guy. He says, my marriage is in so much trouble. I don't know what to do. I, right there, I knew. I said, I want to let you give you advice here. I said, I know I'm younger, but get out of here. I've seen too many marriages hurt in this place. Get out of here right now. Trust God for another job. Find a church. The crazy thing was, I, soon after that, like right, he left. I never saw him again. Right after that, I felt God tell me I was giving a year to the church. So I didn't see him again. So I was playing touch rugby at Big Bay, like months later. And I hear this guy shout, Andre. And I look. And so I had to walk away from my touch rugby team. They started losing because I was really like, like running the game for them. Like people called me Pollard and Colby, all these things. Anyway, before they even played, like, you know what I mean? It was prophetic. Um, just like, anyway. So, so I, I chatted to the guy. And he's like, remember that time you said, and then I left. I said, yeah. He says, you know, I spoke to my wife found a job the next week we've been in a church since then and my marriage is going so well I was like awesome thank you Jesus and, and who you who'd have thought like that that just by praying for people being open here's the other thing if people are drowning don't try to like stop drowning hey you yeah stop drowning stop it they're gonna drown you know you can tell people they're drowning or you can lift them up. You can actually help them, encourage them, give them hope. Hey, I see you drowning. I want to lift you up. Yeah, but, but I'm, I'm not a, no, no, I still want to lift you up. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to lift you up in prayer. I'm going to be there for you. Because when they lift it up, the panic leaves and they can hear way clearer and they can hear what they need to hear. God can use you. God can save you. And He can also save your friends and family. And God would like us to get on board. God is all about lost people being saved. And if Jesus was here, I think He'd tell us, the time is now. I want you to use every opportunity you can. I want you to go public with your faith because I can save your work colleagues. I can save your friends because all of the people on this planet have a problem. What is that? Romans 3 verse 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6 verse 23, 
for the wages of sin is death. I can't pay the bill for my sin, but Jesus says, I'll die. I'll pay the bill for your sins. And that's why the Scripture goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Yeah, so, so they can't, none of us, we can't earn salvation. It's a gift, but we can receive it. How? By acknowledging we need it. I need your salvation, God. I'm a sinner. I haven't actually received your forgiveness. I want to receive it right now. Thank you that you've offered it to me. The solution, like I said, is Jesus. Romans 5 verse 8, God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So while we were still in our sin, Jesus dies. He's the solution. John 14 verse 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only solution to everyone's sin problem is Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. So what do you, we do? And what does everyone have to do? They have to respond. But how will they ever get a chance to respond if nobody goes public with their faith? How will they ever get a chance to respond if they don't have work colleagues and friends praying for them? How will they ever get to respond if everyone's keeping quiet about the hope they carry and nobody's telling their story? It's time to tell your story. Don't have to shove it down people's throats. You can be patient. You can wait for the gap. Pray for them. Be generous. All of a sudden, the opportunity comes and they ask you, why do you have peace? Why do you have hope? Well, let me tell you what. John 1 verse 12, But to all who believed Him and accepted Him, He gave the right to become children of God. All who believed and accepted Him, He gave the right. It doesn't say, and all who really lived good lives. Yes, once you get saved, God's going to empower you to honour Him. But it says all who believed and accepted Him. It's about believing that Jesus is the Son of God, that He conquered death, that He paid the price for our sin, and then receiving that victory He got for you on the cross, receiving the resurrection power that He released for you when He conquered death. You need to believe and you need to receive. And our world needs to believe and receive. But the only way they're going to get there is if we decide to share our story, and to go public with our faith. Yes, it's gonna start with caring for them. And we don't forget that prayer equals, even as we generous to them and pray for them, I believe God's gonna give you an opportunity to share the hope you have in Christ. Maybe you're in this place and you need to believe and receive. I wanna give you an opportunity. If you do believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He paid the price for your sin, that He conquered death and he, he wants to give you resurrection power so that you can live forever in heaven. And you believe that tonight, I want to encourage you to receive His forgiveness and receive His Holy Spirit, resurrection power. Do you want to close your eyes? Just out of respect for anyone who wants to receive His forgiveness. If that's you, I'd love to lead you in a confession where you confess that He is the Son of God. You believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead. If you need to confess, receive, and um, I'd love to lead you in that confession. If you say, that's me, give me a wave, say, that's me. I need to actually receive His forgiveness. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Just give me a wave, say, that's me. God bless you. 
bless you, God bless you. God bless you, God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, I confess that You are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised You from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Do you want to keep your eyes closed quickly? Let's ask God. He says He'll, He'll empower us. Please power on us to be witnesses. God, I pray that You anoint us now with Your power. I pray You pour Your Spirit out, anointing that will break the wrong yokes and an anointing that allows us to receive the yoke that is, um, is light. In Jesus' Name, anoint us now. Come on us to be Your witnesses, to go public with our faith, to share the, the reason for our hope. I pray You also give us discernment and You help us to be persistent in prayer. Pray for our neighbours, pray for our colleagues, pray for our family and our friends. In Jesus' name, I pray we'd see you change our friends, families and colleagues' lives. In Jesus' name, amen.